James, the first chapter, and we're going to begin reading here in the fifth verse. It says, if anyone or any of you, so he's talking to these believers, if any of you, so if I was writing to this church right here, I would say, if any of you. So when I say any, that covers every one of you. Wouldn't you agree? If I said any one of you, if I, I didn't just say this covers one person, if any of you, we could say every one of you. If any of you lacks wisdom, some people may and some people may not. You may come to a place where you are in a situation needing wisdom, but he said, if any. So this falls on everybody. In other words, this is for anyone. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. If you lack and you want, he said, let him ask. Notice this. Let him ask of God, and this is what I wanted to look at, who gives, who gives, who gives, God gives, that's good to know, because if you're going to ask, you're going to want to get. So he gives, notice, to all. So you could say it like this, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks can receive. He gives to all, notice this, liberally or freely and without reproach, and it will be given to you. So this is God's attitude toward you praying. If you'll just ask, he will give freely or liberally, not holding back, just do it, and he'll do it without reproach. That's pretty good. Because, see, that doesn't make sense to some people, or you'd be thinking, oh, that is good. But, you know, have you ever asked somebody for something and they say, well, you know, you've asked for this before. Now, don't mess this one up when I give it to you. Anybody ever not said that, heard that? Right? How many times are you going to ask me for this? Okay, I'm going to give it to you again. That's reproach. So God doesn't ever, if you need forgiveness, God doesn't go, how many times are you going to ask for this? Now, I give abundantly. Wouldn't that seem that if God wouldn't do that, maybe we should treat people different too and not reproach them when they've done not exactly perfect? Praise the Lord. I'll talk to these people over here. If God doesn't reproach us and go, okay, you keep asking for this, how many times are you going to mess up? Okay, I'll give it to you. No, he just gives it and he doesn't even do it, doesn't even reproach. Notice, I'm going to read again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all freely, liberally, abundantly, and without reproach. So he gives and doesn't connect things to it. All right, I'm going to give it to you, but you've blown it so many times. This is the last time. That would be a reproach, wouldn't it? So if he doesn't 
give reproach. He gives freely, and then he doesn't just connect it with something that would go, come on now. You, you better get this this time. No, he just gives liberally and without reproach. Notice this, and he gives without reproach liberally, liberally without reproach, and it shall be given to him. Notice that phrase, and it shall be given to him. Given to him who? Who is it going to be given to? Everybody? No, but if anybody, so that would include anybody, but then he connects who gets it? The person who asks. So anybody can, but that person has to ask. Then he said, then he would get it. Who? The person who asks. Notice that. It can be for anybody. Then he said, if you'll ask, then that person who asks will get it. Notice, I get it if I ask. If I don't ask, I don't get it. Because even James said that later on. He said, if you, you, know, if you have not, because you ask not. So what he's saying is, because he said that later on in the fourth chapter, you have not because you ask not. He's saying the same thing here. Anybody who would ask can get it, period. It's for you if you'll ask anybody, but does that mean anybody or everybody's going to ask? Sometimes no. Sometimes people don't ask. Have you ever had a situation in your life and you're just trying to work it out and trying to do stuff and finally you become extra intelligent right then and go, I should just ask God about this. You know, it's been a month now. And then you get the answer. Why? Because he will give it to him. Him here is the understood person who's asking. Notice verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift, so not just one thing, everything that's good and everything that is perfect is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, he doesn't change up how he does stuff. He's not changing. In other words, we know he's the Lord and he changes not. The Bible said that. So if every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, then we could say he gives it liberally and he gives it without reproach. Because they're the same, right? He, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and he'll give it to you, and he'll give it to you freely, and he'll give it freely to you without reproach, even though you may personally think you deserve a reproach. Have you ever approached somebody knowing? I know people approach God thinking they deserve a reproach, so they get their head like this, like, okay, give me that. You know, have you ever seen dogs? They get trained. Somebody hits them and hits them, and they come up, and you go to pet them, and they're like, whoa. Some Christians are like that with God. And, and have you ever been around a dog and thought, no, no, I'm not going to hit you. Hey, come here. And it's like, oh, whoa. And God's probably thinking, hey, whoa, I'm not going to hit you with reproach. And people are ducking. And he said he'll give liberally, no matter what. Well, so what's he trying to do right here when he's talking about praying? 
It's really what he's talking about, and we're going to look. Though he defines one area in a moment, he's going to say this covers every area. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get your attitude straightened out concerning him. You with me? He will work. He will do. He's not going to reproach. And he's not going to be stingy about it. He's going to give liberally. But you got to ask. Well, then somebody's like, well, okay, we'll stop preaching for a couple of minutes because I'm going to start asking a couple of things. You know, make you start thinking, I need, I'm going to ask. But notice verse 5. So we need to know God's attitude toward getting stuff. He wants you to have it. And he wants to give it liberally. And every good and perfect thing is from above and comes down from God. And we know how it comes down from him. If you'll ask, you'll receive. You know what's interesting? If you look at those verses, it said every good and perfect gift. You know, the Bible commands us as believers. Ooh, did you guys see that? I caught my Bible. Tried to fly away. And uh, somebody said, really? No, I almost dropped it. But... Um, if you read Romans, and you'll see these phrases again and again in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus healed the sick, he said he went about doing good and healing. You know, when Peter described it, and healing, doing good, and healing, doing good and healing. So that would be something that comes from God. But notice he uses the word good and perfect. In Romans 12, it said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like the rest of the world thinks that don't understand the things of God, the things of the kingdom, how God operates, how God moves. He said, but be transformed when you renew your mind. He said, as you do this with the word of God, he said, then you'll come to the place where you can prove what is as good. Notice every good and perfect gift. He said, what is good and perfect an acceptable will is. So there is a perfect will that God has. There is an acceptable will God has. And then there are things God permits. Notice it didn't say permissible things, permitting things come from God. God wills that none would perish. Paul writing to Timothy said he wills. That is God's will. That's good. What was perfect was man would have never sinned in the beginning, ate the other tree, and go out about our business. But he said good and perfect will, but God's, what about it's acceptable? He accepts some things. He lets some things be. Because it says he wills that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. But does everybody come to repentance? Does everybody give their life to the Lord? No. And he accepts that because he gave people a free will for what they'll do with their life. So he accepts that, but that's not from him. But because of how gracious he is, he lets you choose. He lets people choose. You with me? And so notice good and perfect gifts are from him. Will he work to try to deal with you to make the right decisions? Sure he will. There's some things he'll permit or allow, but that's not good and it's not perfect. Thank God we can avoid that path altogether. You with me? By renewing our minds. So go back here to verse 5, and we're going to read two more verses after. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. 
of God, who gives to all men liberally or freely and abundantly and without reproach. And it will be given to him, the person who asks. But let him ask. Notice, let him ask. Notice this. In, in faith. So he said, this is what I want to do. But now this is the, the, the approach you have to take. He said, let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. So then, if he said ask in faith, wouldn't it be important for me to know his opinion about faith? Not my opinion, not your opinion, not your grandma's opinion, not anybody else's opinion about faith, but what is his opinion of what faith is? Because I could have tried to approach him on my own opinion of faith, and would that be good? Well, I could hit it. Or maybe not. You might hit it, or maybe not. So if we're to approach him on faith, and it would guarantee that I get whatever I ask, then I need to approach by faith, not my opinion of faith, but his opinion of faith. And James right here makes this interesting statement. He said in verse 6, But let him ask in faith with... Ask in confidence with, I'm going to have a burger with, with cheese. So I'll let that sink in. Because somebody's like, to all beef special, patty special, sauce, pickles, lettuce, cheese, 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 with cheese, cheese, meat, cheese. Let him ask in faith with cheese. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask. No, wait, that's the other place. So meat and cheese. Faith without. But let him ask in faith with no cheese. Oh. There's a no cheese on this. It's plain. It's got to be plain faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, driven and tossed by the wind. Notice verse 7. For let not that man who is even asking, but is not asking properly, suppose that he will receive, notice this phrase, anything. So now he's not just talking about wisdom, he's talking about the answer to anything that you pray. If he asks in faith, so anybody, if anybody will ask in faith with nothing wavering, without doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of a sea, what if we change the word doubt that may give us some clarity? That would help. Because, see, if you have your own ideas of doubt, the first time a bad thought gets in your head, and you go, and, and the devil goes, it's not working. You go, great, I just doubted. Throw it in. Throw it in. Throw it in. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm over here now. I'm sitting over in the it's done section. The I ain't going to get it. If it was that hard that if a thought came, you're done, we're all done. Jesus himself would have been 
done. Because he had thoughts that came from the enemy that spoke contrary to him. Just go read the temptation he had. He was tempted to doubt. And so just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're doubting. You with me? Ready? Let's read it again. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith or in confidence. In other words, believe that God's going to give it to you. But notice this. With no doubting. Let's change this to, instead of the word doubting and doubts and wind... Because wasn't it the wind was the thing? Whatever this wind was, was the thing that caused them to move around, right? The doubting, the doubt, and the wind are probably all connected. Wouldn't you agree? If the wind was what moved them and the doubting was moving, let's change this word to give ourselves some clarity because you'll find that you can Doubt not. And it may not be as hard as you think to doubt not. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let's change it to this. Not moved by circumstances. Not moved by the things you see. Not moved by the current condition. So let's read it like this. But let him ask in faith without being moved by the current condition and circumstance. For he who is moved by the current condition and circumstance is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed and pushed around by the current conditions and circumstances. So in other words, these thoughts that come to you are telling you, it's like this, it's like that. That's the current condition and circumstance. It is going to be there. Those will be there for everybody. Because faith acts when the problem is there, so the current conditions are going to be there. The difference is, who is going to allow the current conditions to drive them and move them? That is what doubt is, is when you've prayed and uh, you say, Lord, I need wisdom, I believe, I get it now. Then those present conditions are there that say, you don't know what to do. You have to resist them or not move with them because those are the things that you were praying about. Lord, I need wisdom to know how to do this. Those things are the doubts or the winds and the waves that will try to push you. Let's say, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do in this situation. You're never going to know what to do in this condition. If you get moved by them, you'll start going, I'm never going to know. But wait a minute. That's being moved. So we're supposed to ask in faith with no doubting. In other words, don't be moved. 
haven't we all in some place in our life either been moved or not moved by things? Everybody's been called names in their life. Everybody. Everybody. Jesus was called names. You with me? He was called a drunk. He was called demon-possessed. He was called a friend of sinners. He was called other things. A liar. You just go through the list and Jesus was called these names. But he didn't let those names move him. He just stayed true to what he knew about himself through the word of God. Because that's what he used. He said, it's written. And he said, these words are fulfilled in your ears. This is me. And he would talk based on the word, and he didn't let those things move him. How many people become insecure because they let lies come, and those are really doubts? And if you would just stop being moved by those, you could retrain your mind and not allow those things to dominate you, and because all they are is really doubts about who you really are. If you're saved, you are who he said you are. But doubts or circumstances or things seen or words spoken will come like wind to try to push you away from your sure foundation and your stand of who you are. You with me? So we shouldn't just accept everything that comes down the road. You with me? Because they're going to come. You know, if somebody said you're mean and you're mean, then don't go, I'm not mean. No, you're mean. Change. You know what I mean by that. But I'm talking about who we are in Christ and those types of things. So if we need to know what faith is or how to use this faith, because we want to get whatever God is giving liberally and freely, and it's kind of like the airport that he told you you got to land in, you know, you know, if the, if the control tower says, hey, come in this way on this approach, you land on this. If you don't land on that runway, it could hurt the plane. It could, you, you're maybe not going to get the results you wanted. You know, it's like that old saying, turn to Mark 11, you know, that, that old story years ago about that big oil tanker that was going through the, the ocean and, 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 you know, saw another light from another ship and he said, you know, I'm one of the biggest ships in the ocean, you need to move. And uh, it was super foggy and he said, the other guy said, I, I'm not going to move, you're going to have to veer your course to the, to the left. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm this, I work for the government. He said, you're going to have to move. He said, I am not going to move, you're going to have to veer off to the left. And there became this little thing and he said, who are you to tell me that I have to move, I work for the government. He said, well, I'm a, a, a lighthouse and I can't move. <laughs> well, how many people are like that with God? Well, you know, I need, no, you, you just got to know this is the approach you have to take. You with me? Mark eleven twenty two, And uh, let's begin reading. Jesus has used faith and it got him some answers here and produced some pretty miraculous things. And so the disciples are blown away, and they want to know about this faith 
business, you know, or what's going on. They're like, whoa, look at this. Oh, man, we ain't seen this something. Notice verse 22. So, so Jesus answered them, answered and said to them, have faith in God. Some margin notes say have the faith of God. So we need to know what faith is. is if, he, if he said you ask, but you got to ask in faith, these truths that he's about to reveal to us will help us to ask in faith uh, because he is about to teach us what faith is from God's standpoint, not our standpoint. And that's important. And we can all adjust. So if you've heard these verses before, uh, you need to hear them again. When they're exciting to you, you'll want to hear them. If they're not exciting, there's something you need to see. You with me? Then there's something you need to see. If John 3.16 is not exciting to you, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, somehow you're not seeing something there. Go back and read it again. Talk to the Lord. Because there's something exciting there. The word of God should be living in a person. And he was basically wanting them to get results when they prayed and when they spoke the truth. So he said, for, have faith in God, verse 23. You ready? For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There it is. But is there something more there that we need to see? Notice he uses some of the same terms about praying, about believing or asking in faith. And they, he said some of the same things, but he went a step further. He said, doubt not in his heart. So that means the thoughts that come to my head are not necessarily things in my heart. Because is my heart my head? Is your heart your head? No. So a thought that comes to my head that would say this isn't working isn't necessarily a heart or a core belief of mine. But it'll want to persuade you that it is your belief. Oh, no, you don't believe that. Then what do you do? Well, I guess you're right, I don't. No, you do. You know, because this may sound over the top here, but what are we called? Believers. So what do believers do? Doubt. No, we believe. It's the natural course for us to believe. So to think we don't is not always appropriate. But that might be being moved by a circumstance. But we're going to read these real quick. Look at a couple of things and help us to know what faith is, how it looks, and how it works. Notice, notice what we noticed before in James. It didn't say you just can always pray and get stuff for other people. But notice he gave the directive to the individual. And you know, he's about to do that here in 23 and 24 to give the directive to the individual. Notice he said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever, whoever, 
here we are again going back to everyone. That covers whoever. Notice this. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says. So what we're about to talk about is stuff coming out of our mouths. Stuff coming out of our mouths. Stuff coming out of our mouth. What comes out of your mouth? Somebody said spit. But besides that, besides food or whatever, words come out of our mouth. So he said, whoever says to this mountain, not, not negotiates with it, says to it. You know, because there's a lot of stuff that's said that's not appropriate. Catchy phrases. You'll see this around. When a problem comes to you, when your mountain's speaking to you, then you say to your mountain, you tell your mountain how big God is. You ever heard that? You tell your mountain how big God is. Your mountain doesn't need to know how big God is. It will do nothing for your mountain. My God's big. Your mountain already knows God is big. Your mountain may know more about how big and powerful God is than you do. So he didn't say, talk to your mountain. Say to your mountain, I want to talk to you today, son, about taking out the trash. No, take out the trash. It's a big difference, isn't there? Do this. I'd like to talk to you about it. Well, nothing's going to get done talking about it. Do it. Praise the Lord. But then what happens is people get these catchy things, and it sounds really cute. And really neat because you're magnifying God. God is so big. Hallelujah. Yeah, and your mountain's still right there. Because he didn't say, say to your mountain, God's big. Because if your mountain is a devil, the Bible said the devil knows. So if I go around telling the devil, you know God's big... You're like, yeah, great. I'm just going to stay busy. He didn't tell you ever to do that. So he said, whosoever would say to this mountain, be removed, go, and be cast into the sea. So you tell him where to go. Out of here. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes or is confident when he asks. Where? In his heart. So your head could be being assaulted, but you know in your heart. It's a big difference. But believes, but what is it that we believe? What is it that we believe? He believes that those things he says, and what is it that you're saying are words, so you could say he believes the words that come out of his mouth will what? 
will be done. Will be done. Will be done. You got to believe the words that you come out of your mouth will be done. Will be done is different than are done. That's what doubt tries to tell you. It's not done. I know that. That's why I'm saying. Because if the mountain is gone, do I need to say something to it? Hello? You don't. Why? Because it ain't there. So when I'm saying these things or commanded to say these things, no, the problem is there. It's important to know. Then you say things believing that these problems will obey what? Your words that you believe in your heart. Notice this. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have. It doesn't say, I'll get what you say. It says, I'll get what I say, if I believe what I say. So here are some important things to know about this. I am saying something in the face of an obstacle. Some people say, well, I'm not going to believe until I see. Notice this. He believes the things he said will be done. That means they're not done. Let me say it again. They are not done when you're saying it. You with me? They are not done when you're saying it. Because Otherwise, if you believe the things you say will be done, if somebody said, hey, I'll do that and I'll make sure it will be done, you know that. That's different than saying it is done. So what you're believing and what you're saying right now means that the problem is still there and it's not done. It's not fixed. It's not solved. So this saying and this believing what you say precedes the mountain moving. That's important. It proceeds or goes before. So that means the mountain has to be right there. Because so many want to say, because you'll hear this, I ain't going to believe until I see. He said you won't see unless you do believe and say. So if he says here, but believes that those things he says will be done, then that means the things he must say are said before it's done. Right? If you say the things that, if he said you have to believe the things that you say will be done, then what I'm saying is not done. It's not done. It's not done. It's not done. So that means I'm saying it before it's done. That means I'm believing it before it's done. And there are going to be opportunities to tell you, it ain't going to work, it's not working. 
Look, look at the problem. Hey, dummy, I don't need to look at the problem. He already told me the mountain is there. I'm saying it before I see it. So why do I need to focus on the scene? Yeah, are you with me? Is this the truth or no? I mean, you go on, you can keep reading. He said, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. So the saying proceeds and the believing proceeds the having. So before you ever are going to get something, you're going to have to say something. And you're not just going to have to say it, you're going to have to believe it. So that's okay to still have a problem there while you're saying it. Yeah, but I'm looking at the problem. Exactly. That's what he said. Jesus was looking at a tree that wasn't bearing fruit. And he said, nobody eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And he went about his business. And he went about his business and went on. He didn't see the thing die. It wasn't until a day and a half or day and a half or so because he was going in you know, in and out of town and then went out and then came back in. And, you know, it's a period of time. And the disciples said, hey, look at the fig tree which you cursed. Well, the situation was there when he began to speak. He didn't go by what he saw. You can't go by the mountain. You've got to go by what you believe. And then not just what you believe, what you say before you see. Say what you believe before you see it, and then he said, then you'll see it, or he would say it like this, then you'll have it. And what will you have? Whatever you say, if you believe it. So this means that these things that I'm saying, I'm saying in a condition that's not good. Notice this, same principle of faith in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you, you ask when you pray, so let's say, now I'm going to pray. So whatever things you ask when you pray, what am I to do when I pray? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, what am I supposed to do when I pray? Believe, trust, or be assured that you receive them. I believe I receive them, but I don't see them. So this is something I do when I pray. I believe I get the answer. Notice he said, and, and, so now he's connecting this, if you believe you receive when you pray, and you will then have them. So I got to believe I get it first, say I have it first. Here's what we need to understand. I remember years ago, I got healed of something, and, and, and I wasn't taught these things. I can still tell you the street I was driving down, or up, it was down, but the, it was a hill up it, and, uh, and uh, I was going on the street, and I remember saying something, and I knew God was working with me, and I said, Lord, am I lying right now? Nobody had taught me. I had not heard. I don't know if I had read these verses yet. And I even said, Lord, am I lying right now? I'm saying something and I, I, I don't even see it. 
am I lying? I did. I had that very question. I know my head was getting bombarded with doubt. It was trying to move me, and I did not know it. Because the devil was probably sitting there in his subtleties going, you're lying. You're saying a lie. And he knew, I'm saved now. I don't like lying. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. And I even said, Lord, am I lying? And something just came over me, a calm, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to keep going down this path. And, you know, things changed. I mean, supernaturally. Turn with, to me uh, to Romans, and we're going to close here. I, I, I think I would do an injustice, a, justice, a, justice if I didn't share this before we close. Because if I say something that I don't see, am I speaking a lie? Or is there a present reality that, though it is a reality is not real to me yet. Can that be true? Is there present realities that are not real to you yet? In the natural there are, and in the spirit there are. There are people that live in other countries that have never heard the gospel. But heaven's real. Jesus has already died and rose again. So there are present realities that they don't know. But when they're told, then they come to the knowledge of that reality, but that reality is not theirs yet. So are there realities that we don't see yet? Yeah, if, if Ephesians 1.3 is what it seems to say, and it is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Those are ours. We want them to become a reality here. So what we need to do is believe something before we see it. Believe it in our heart based on the truth of the word and then begin to declare it. Your faith will grow with your words. Your continual use of your words will create a motion of faith. And your faith will begin to grow if you will practice declaring the right thing based on what you believe. Notice this in Romans 4. Because we'll see here that God does this very thing. Before things were seen in the natural, and it happened more than this story. This is just the story where it talks about us following this man's faith. Notice this in verse 16, or actually verse 17, 417. For as it is written, what's he saying? In the Bible, God spoke to Abraham who and to Sarah, now listen to me, who could not have children. They could not. She is now, she could not her whole life have children. Now she's getting up in age and she's gone through the change of life. She had this double thing. She's past the age of life and she's sterile, not able to have a child. She wanted a child. And it says here, 
as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So God even spoke stuff before you could even see it. He said, I've made you this. She was not even in faith at this point. When she first heard this, she laughed. She was in a tent, and her husband's out there talking with this, these angels and this messenger. You know, the Lord is there. And uh, they hear her laughing in unbelief, and they, he calls her out on I heard you laugh. She said, oh, no, I wasn't. And the Bible said she totally doubted. God was saying it like it was so, not denying reality. There's no mountain there. There's no mountain there. We don't got no problems. That's denying reality. That's not what he did. That's not what a mountain moving faith does. Does not deny reality. Oh, I don't have a problem in the world. No. I'm moving this. But notice this. We speak what we believe before we see it. I'm forgiven. Condemnation, leave me. I'm free. I'm prosperous. Why? I can only say it if I have faith in it, and my faith has to grow out of the Word. I have to see in the Word. So notice this. He said, as it is written, I have. Not I'm going to. I have, not I'm going to, I have. I have made you a father of many nations. He said that when he wasn't. He said that when he couldn't have kids. He said, I've made you this. You are this. So, God even says this, and he expected Abraham to start doing the exact same thing, to believe it and declare it. Notice this. You would think, is God lying? No. But is there an unseen reality that he's trying to make a reality? That's why he's given us all the book, the things in the book, because they're unseen realities that he would like you to put into action and become a reality in your life. They're unseen realities. Who knows what will be in heaven when we get there? And God said, that's all could have been yours down there. You'll have everything you need there. It's here that we need stuff. And so he said right here, I have made you. That is an unseen reality. It is a reality in God. Christ has already paid for every sinner. Christ needs to do nothing to get them saved. They just need to make it a reality by believing and declaring Jesus as their Lord. It's the simplest thing. But when do they do it? Once they feel saved? Once they experience salvation, before they believe it and say it before, then it becomes a reality. Notice this. You with me? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. I've made you this. I have made you this. What if God already told you, you're healed, and you go, I don't feel it? Then don't be moved. Because the circumstances are what drives doubt. Believe what he said. Notice. And then what did he do? He said, I have made you this. But he, if you looked at him, you go, he ain't that. Abraham had such the audacity, he changed his name from Abram, which means a prince, to Abraham, 
He still couldn't have kids, and he made all his employees and all his people start calling him Abraham. He changed his name, which means the father of a multitude. And he's still not having babies. But God already called it. It was an unseen reality that God wanted to become a reality. So he had to believe it and say it before he saw it. And it didn't happen overnight for him. But his faith grew. Notice this. In the presence of him whom he believed. Even God. So he was in God's presence. God had spoke this. And he started believing it. And notice what it says God did. He called, he gives life to the dead. So his body was dead. The Bible said Sarah's womb was dead. They, it was in a bad shape. It couldn't produce. And God gives life in those conditions. And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Let me say that again. He, let me say it different. He didn't call those things that are as though they were not, because that would be denial. He didn't say, oh, you guys have no problems. No, they knew they did. He wasn't denying it. God didn't. But he called those things which did not exist as though they did exist. As though he, as though it was so. I am strong in my body. I call my body strong. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say. So you got to know, okay, I'm weak. Let them say, I am strong. You're not saying, I'm not weak. Because you have to acknowledge you are. He said, said, let the weak say, I am strong. That's calling those things that be not as though they are. Instead of just using willpower to serve God, use His ability. Start saying, God is working in me now to desire to do His plans. It's calling things that be not as though they are. Not things that are as though they're not. I have no problem, I'm just dandy. And you got no desire. Call those things which be not as though they are. And believe them. And don't be moved. Your faith will begin to abound. Notice God did this. What did he do when there was darkness on the earth? The first thing he said was, and the Spirit of God was hovering, waiting. He said, light be. Well, there was no light. He didn't say, there's no darkness there. That would be denying reality. That would be calling things that are as though they're not. Oh, it's not dark. No, he knew it was. He said, light be and spiritual light came. He believed. Jesus believed. Jesus encouraged us to believe. James told us what to do. Jesus, Paul, writing here, tells us how Abraham did it. He called those things that did not exist as though they did. What will happen if you start calling things that do not exist as though they did? Well, the first thing you're going to run into is yourself. That's the first thing you're going to run into, is you. Because remember, he said, you got to believe this in your heart. 
What if you start saying, I believe I'm strong in the Lord. Here's a good one. I believe God's Spirit lives in me, and He witnesses to my spirit. The Bible said He does. He directs my spirit. Down here, He does. But how many Christians have not boldly said that? They've boldly. The Bible said, the Lord is my helper, I will boldly say. Right? In Hebrews 13, we we can boldly say the Lord, or Romans. Boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? Boldly say. But how many people have boldly said, I don't hear from God? Christians, they've boldly said, I do not hear from God. You know why? Because they're starting to believe that in their heart, and they're boldly saying. So what's the first obstacle you're going to hit when you start doing this? You. So when you start off daily exercising, and, you know, you ever done that? And thought, ooh, I'm doing good. And your pants still fit exactly the same a week later. I'm doing so good, I'm just going to jump on the scale. And, you know, but I've been changing. Or I'm going to put these pants on. And you're like, okay, I'm going to put those back for another day. But if you stay with it, the change comes because you're exercising yourself. You'll notice your faith will begin to abound. But you've got to stay with it. I believe because you said you live in me and I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be bothered. Your spirit bears witness with my spirit. That's what you said. As you practice these things, your faith will begin to abound and get stronger and stronger. After a while, you're going to start. What's the first change that's going to happen in your heart? In your own heart. Some people believe they're supposed to be poor. Some people have a poverty mentality because that's how they were raised and they put a limit on their head and a limit on their life. And somebody said, well, aren't you supposed to be poor if you're a Christian? Well, you can be if you want to, but you don't need to be. But what's interesting, let's close here. Man, we've gone long today. How many over here will have me let me read this scripture? Turn to Proverbs. This will help you. You just got to get your mouth in motion. Make your mouth work for you. It's been working for you. James, the pastor, said your tongue is like the rudder on a ship. Though it's so small, it will turn the whole thing around. The whole ship Wherever the governor chooses, wherever he turns it, it will begin to turn your whole life. Turn to Proverbs 4, and we're going to read this verse. Verses. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, once you read them, accept them. Do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, begin to think about them. Keep them in the midst of your heart. If you'll get them as your focus, accept them and get them, he said, they'll get in your heart. Notice, he said, for they are, they are, what are his words? Our life to those who find them. And health, the word right there in the Hebrew is medicine. Health, medicine to all their flesh. Notice this, keep your heart with all diligence. Now, he told you how to do it, but he said, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. When he said guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life, 
It literally means the parameters of your life are governed by your heart beliefs in the kingdom of God. If you can expand your heart beliefs, you can expand your own life. Because didn't he say whatever you can believe in your heart and doubt not? If you can, if you can get there, and how are you going to do that? You're going to have to find the truth, and the first thing you're going to need to do is start saying it. You'll find after a while, it'll begin to register inside, because not only are you saying to the mountain move, move your head's going, now just wait a minute. Because we've been trained in life by what we see and feel. So when you say, body, you're healed, then, then your body, because we've been trained our whole life, to go by what we feel, your body will, in your head will go, but wait, I don't feel it. And you'll grow up inside to where you won't care what you see or feel, and you'll start going, God does lead me glory to God, and I'll get this answer, and I'll know what to do. And I'll say to this, and it'll leave in my life. But remember, it's not by accident. Amen? So just start. Don't freak out. Just start. Your faith can grow. Amen? And so it's not by accident.